Shiggity check mic one. Hey, welcome back. This is Kyle from Tippy Canoe Herbs and Root Radical Herbal Academy. And if you're listening to this on the podcast player app, just know that we are doing another episode of Herb of the Week and we have 52 herbs because <laughs> there's 52 weeks in a year. This is a year long series. And so if you're finding this one valuable and useful, consider signing up for that. It's a buck an episode. Each one of these is about an hour long, sometimes more. And, um, yeah, so an hour a week for a deep dive into the plant. Of course, I'm putting them up here and there, you know, maybe one a sign or so for the for this uh, free audience side. Eventually, in the next couple of uh, weeks here, I'm no longer going to let this be for sale. We've got a lot of students there, and the material, I'm going to continue to make it, but it's going to be for other things eventually too. So if you're into it and you want to get locked in at a buck a week, go down to tippycanoeherbs.com or rootradical.teachable.com and get yourself the Herb of the Week series. But for now, sit back and enjoy our Herb of the Week this week for this podcast episode. Greetings, greetings, lady slippers and gentians. Welcome back to another episode of Herb of the Week. I'm your host, Kyle. And this week we got Black Walnut to finish off the Scorpio season. So goth. (laughs) So dark. We're going to get into it here in a little bit. I wanted to talk about a couple of things first. I wanted to say that uh, at our shop recently I did a... um, a class on herbs for men's health. And I wasn't really sure what to expect. I didn't really, you know, advertise it that much. As usual, I usually don't. (laughs) I just kind of put classes out there and, you know, they always fill up, but I didn't, I wasn't sure about this one. And, um, uh, but it did. We had more men than chairs and we had at least 20 chairs. I was really happy about the turnout. The room was just buzzing with the energy of spiritually uplifted men coming together. Like these were legends in the room. It was awesome. It was so awesome to be uh, in a group of, of men of high caliber like that. And so I had been asked a lot about that class because there was a lot of other high caliber men could not make this class. And I actually really enjoyed this subject. It was a really cool class for me to teach. It was fun for me to dive into. I talked about holistic anatomy and, um, I talked about the, the biofield a lot, basically went over what I thought were common, I don't know, complaints for men from the bottom of the feet, all the way to the top of the head in relationship to emotional and spiritual senses of those energetic centers. I will give you an example. The right foot has a lot to do with perfectionism, has a lot to do with procrastination and not getting off, not getting started on the right foot, for example. Um, So if that's something that hinders anyone really, but it's something that I think is really common for men to, um, to just feel stuck in a situation then I would recommend blue vervain, authority issues going up to the knee, um, rooted stuff, sacral stuff. And so sacral, the sacral area of the body is where a lot of the uh, fertility and this type of aspect come from. 
And I know that a lot of times when people are thinking about herbs and men's health, they're thinking about it in the, what I call gas station herbalism venue, which is, you know, like it's all about boner pills and it's all about, (laughs) it's all about, uh, you know, erectile dysfunction and stuff like that. And while that is definitely a big concern for a lot of men, um, there is a holistic picture to consider of all the reasons why that could be the case. And so that's what I was covering in that class. And anyway, I was so happy with how that class went that I'm going to be doing an online. I'll just do that class again online so everybody can participate if they want. And there were two women there that were there on behalf of their men just learning about the the stuff. So it is a class that is for everyone. And and as a matter of fact, in my expectation, I thought that I would be teaching this class to mostly women. (laughs) I wasn't sure who I was going to be teaching it to because it's mostly women that seek uh, the help of an herb or her herbalist. You know, it's built into the, to the lexicon. This is why I really have no qualms with the word history, his story, um, because uh, it is, <laughs> in fact, you know, the men really throughout the time that have been the ones that have been fighting and waging these wars. And so they're the, also the ones that are writing this and whether we like it or not, they're, uh, they're able to physically overcome, um, many things. However, there is a softness in herbalism in the healing arts of herbalism that no matter how much supplantation of the patriarchy there might come, it's never going to be called hisbalism, is it? It will always be herbalism and it will always be history. And that's just the way it is. So anyway, uh, that was a really awesome class and I was really happy to teach that. The other thing that I um, wanted to say too was also this week we had a class at the shop that was the mystery tea and that was awesome. I also didn't know, I didn't put an RSVP so I didn't know what to expect and sure enough, another (laughs) case of too many people for chairs. We had about 30 people show up for this mystery tea class, and that was awesome. So we're going to be doing that again in December. And for our previous mystery tea class, we did, uh, which plant did we do? Oh, horsetail. And, oh, I'm going to be offering that as an herb of the week coming up because it was definitely, there was a lot that I learned about that plant from just listening to everybody's impressions of this plant as they're learning about it. So these mystery tea classes are really fun. I really invite you if you're in Milwaukee or in Southeast Wisconsin to come down to the shop. These are free classes. And then I'll be putting that men's class online soon as well. And, uh, other teaching, um, opportunities coming up, you know, throughout the, throughout the, uh, spring as well. So always teaching, always, always, always thinking about new classes. And I'll probably be taking a year off of my full year course that I've been doing for three years now. I'd like to focus more on a la carte classes and I'm going to restructure that class too. I'll be taking apprentices as I normally have, but I've been doing a lot of clinical work lately, a lot more. And it feels really good to be in, uh, becoming more of a practitioner role for my community. And some of the 
things that I've been implementing in my herbal clinic have been biofield tuning, which has been really interesting. So uh, I'm excited about a lot of the things that are on the horizon here. Um, right now, as far as my day-to-day -day goes, I am in retail mode, just getting ramped up for the holidays. Every day I'm just making tons and tons and tons of medicine, and it feels awesome. We are extremely productive and uh, learning so much right now. It feels great. So now onward for the show. Let's see, where are we? We're going to talk about black walnut. And I wanted to do a little Scorpio recap just so that we can say goodbye to Scorpio before, before it's gone. And we can integrate both black walnut and Scorpio as we always do, as I always do. And, um, but I was thinking about this topic quite a bit because on my Telegram channel for my students, a question was proposed about a ban on absinthe, which um, con contains an ingredient called wormwood. And wormwood is well known in herbalism for its antiparasitic qualities. And so the question was, do you think that do you think that wormwood was banned because it has to do with it's so well with cleaning out parasites? Kind of like in the vein of turpentine. Um, <laughs> I don't know if I really want to get into the whole turpentine thing right now, but um, there's just a history of very effective antiparasitic herbal remedies with turpentine. You might think uh, is paint thinner and you would be right if you got it from Home Depot, but if you got it from um, <laughs> the Amish, it's called... <laughs> Uh, a distillation of pine tar. So it's just the spirits of pine. It's just a distillation of pine. That's it. Nothing weird about that. It's pine essential oil, basically. So anyway, what's the deal with all these, all this government crackdown of parasitic things? And of course, absinthe was outlawed way back in like, I don't know when, but a long time ago, back in the last century. And so the, the topic came up and it started talking about how maybe, <laughs> just maybe, it was actually banned because it invites parasites. Now look at the marketing of warm or of absinthe from like the 1910s, 19, you know, late 1800s. And it's very enchanting with this little goblin, green goblin on all of the posters, right? And it's like the little goblin is like pouring little elf is like pouring a glass of absinthe and stuff like that. And so to me, it opened up the possibility that maybe the powers that shouldn't be, um, and I'm using air quotes here, <laughs> are, are, were banning a substance that actually was inviting a particular type of spiritual entity that they couldn't control and they wanted to make sure that they had the corner on the market of how to control people through pharmacy, pharmacopoeia, which is the, uh, a Greek word for sorcery, another word for sorcery, pharmacy. And, um, you know, make sure that every, you know, before they allowed it back into the ranks again, which it's allowed again now, that they had made sure that, you know, the people that they wanted to control were able to, 
get all the pharmaceuticals that they need. And, you know, it's like, it's crazy statistics. Like one out of every four kids is on some sort of mind altering medication of some sort. It's crazy. And so I made me think about, you know, maybe, maybe it was actually way more malevolent than the surface of trying to get rid of something that's, you know, or trying to ban something that actually causes parasites, but maybe these types of plants have a stronger relationship with parasites and not just eliminating them, but opening up an invitation to dance with them (laughs) in the case of absinthe, you know, some of the great artists of like that period were like under the influence of absinthe were like Edgar Allan Poe. And, um, who's that guy that cut off his ear, that painter that cut off his ear, that French dude, what's his name? Um, you know who I'm talking about. And so, yeah, had some absinthe, you know, a couple too many absinthe and cut his ear off. What's that dude's name? Oh, man, it's going to bother me. I, uh, Vincent Van Gogh. Have you heard about the painter Vincent Van Gogh? He loved colors and he let it show. He loved, he loved, he loved life so bad. His paintings had twice the color other paintings had. That's Jonathan Richmond. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Richmond writes the best songs about uh, painters. It's, he's the best. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think it's really interesting to think that, you know, that there is this spiritual relationship with parasites. And when I think about parasites, I don't, my mind doesn't automatically go to uh, a tapeworm with a circumferential set of teeth that is like sucking, you know, it's like a, like, like a, one of those, the, the thing at the gas pump that's like you plug into your car. It's like something like that, except it's like sucking instead of pushing things out. My mind doesn't go there. I actually think that those physical parasites are manifestations in physical form that are that are there from first being uh, emotionally having the emotional terrain um, adapted to their presence and the spiritual terrain adapted to their presence. I think everything is first comes from spirit. Then it goes through all of these different phases of densification until it reaches a physical form. That's just my opinion. I know that that's not other people's opinion, but that's why that's one reason why I don't see parasites, the, the um, physical parasites as like necessarily bad. I see them as a result of a chain of events that happened long before in a spiritual uh, way first. Second, I also see them as necessary in nature. Like I'm just going to take away the, the old spirit talk for a second and we could just go outside and kick over a log. And what do you, what do you find? You find a whole bunch of stuff breaking the log down back into soil. Bioremediating. You see some roadkill on the side of the road. What happens two or three days later? It gets pretty much cleaned up by what? By all the stuff that is bioremediating um, death and decay back into the cycle of nature. And that's what I think parasites do in the body too. I think parasites are all about 
seeing things that we can't necessarily see or deal with. We don't have the capacity to deal with, whether that's spiritually, whether that's emotionally, mentally, or physically. And what do you know, the diet of a lot of these types of worms and things that people don't want in their body. And of course, I don't blame anybody for wanting to get rid of them. But um, I, I would just like to put the thought out there to consider that they are the things that are eating dead tissue, heavy metals, all kinds of toxic stuff that's from water, food, poison, things that our cells can't handle. So our bodies grow them. This is my opinion. <laughs> it's fine. It's not necessarily everybody's opinion. But my opinion is the reason why people have parasites is because they have a habitat for them. And in order to remove parasites, we change the habitat. That's simple. It's not about killing them. It's not about going to war. It's not about being against something. It's about understanding the ecological function of a parasite, what that might mean emotionally, what, that, what other types of things they might be feeding off of, and shifting that, changing that. Or in the case of things like absinthe, which is from wormwood and distilled spirits, that's what they're called. It's a distilled spirit of a worm, fermented wormwood. It's about dancing with them and playing with them <laughs> for their inspiration, for their otherworldliness, their underworldliness. Parasites are the, dom the domain and the, um, I would say they are the soldiers of Pluto. Pluto is about going into the depths, going under, transmuting things, transmuting what's dead and decayed into something like good, healthy terrain and healthy soil again. That's what Pluto does. Guess what? Pluto is the ruler, it's the modern ruler of Scorpio. It's a higher octave of Mars. Mars is um, the, the traditional ruler of Scorpio, but it in, you know, once they got telescopes and stuff, they said that's the one. And uh, it's really interesting too. We are in our Plutonic era of this country. To, uh, 1776, the Declaration of Independence was signed. Boom, make a birth chart out of it. See where Pluto is on that birth chart Fast forward to 2023, and Pluto is right back for the very first time ever in the history of this country. And if you look at, you know, Pluto was quote unquote discovered in um, the 1900s, but if you were to retroactively apply the motions of Pluto to previous empires, you'll find similar pattern that when Pluto comes back, then it starts to really transmute. Um, it has a lot to do with revolution. You know, revolution just means it goes around. But it has a lot to do with making um, the, you know, eating and sucking up all of the decayed and disgusting heavy metals and toxins that have grown and are putref putrefying the form. In the case of the United States, it's the form of the country. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a person. Well, and... I'm, I'm just going to get into muddy waters because person is a legal word. It actually doesn't mean what you think it means. 
in in fact, like a corporation is considered a person. I'm not going to go there. But all I'm saying is that um, these plutonic energies serve a purpose and they're worth um, working with. And at the end of the night, when they've, you know, I'm just thinking about like my old days when I was a, a punk rock party animal and we'd have after parties after a basement show or something like that. And everybody would come over and there would probably be like one guy who didn't have any beer. So he would go around the house and he would like take up all of the half drinking beers and he would like pour them into a cup so that he could drink, you know, like a bunch of beer. And then he would take the half drinking beers and he would toss them in the receptacle. Very plutonic, very Scorpio. Thank you for your service. You basically cleaned up my house. You know, now you're, now you're there and I, you know, it's, it's late and you've been drinking half drank beers, some of them with cigarette butts and stuff. And then it's gross. You're gross. Once you out of here, <laughs> party's over. You're still here and you're, you're getting drunker because everybody's out of beer except for you. Cause you're drinking all the half drunk beers. Well, this is the idea when it comes to getting <laughs> parasites out from my vitalist perspective. And this is why I like working with black walnut. Black walnut is all about changing the terrain so that that person says, this party sucks. It's time for me to go. There's no more beer. There's no more fun. Um, I was listening to punk rock music. We were listening to all these cool seven inches and stuff. And now they put on Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. And they opened up all the windows and it's freezing in here. <laughs> or something like that. You know, I had my tricks. It's like time to go, man. Um, without being too hostile. And that's the thing. There are herbs that are really hostile and they'll, they'll actually like, you know, knock a parasite out. Well, imagine knocking a guy like that out and having him in your house. You don't, I don't want him to wake up the next morning in my house. I also don't want a 26 inch tapeworm hanging out dead in my intestines either. I, w I want it to get up on its own volition and move on. And I'm sure you do too. So that's why I'm thinking about black walnut in this time right now of Scorpio, because once again, Scorpio is all about eliminating what is no longer serving us. There is a, a thing that I would like to say about these things <laughs> when it comes to like this parasite cleansing stuff and scorpionic stuff, which can be really unnerving for a lot of people who aren't ready to deal with the word death. And I know that that's the case. I know that a lot of people are scared and have an, a fear and aversion of change and death. And that became really apparent right, right as our uh, Pluto return was going on in this country starting. It's a long process, but that was 2020. And what happened? Everybody's scared. Everybody's scared of dying. Um, even if, you know, the threat statistically was extremely low, you know, less than um, a tenth of a percent <laughs> in most cases. But it was so, so scary to so many people that it had a profound effect that has almost like a rippling trauma through it, right? And another example, this is me too. When I was like first starting out drawing the tarot, I would like draw the tarot and I'd be like, oh, cool, the lover's card. Yes, nice. And then I would like draw another card and I'd be like, death. 
Uh, I'm just going to put that one back and act like I didn't see that. Eee. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I know that a lot of people have a, a, a real aversion to this. And I know that because when people say, I'm a Scorpio, the room, the energy of the room goes, ooh. <laughs> watch out. Watch what you say. It's true, you know, like personality-wise, the Scorpio has a tendency to be darker, have a darker disposition, and that's because they're the masters of this Plutonic energy. Pluto is all about digging up. This is why Scorpios are the best detectives. You can't hide nothing from a Scorpio. They know it. They're going to find it out. And that's the Pluto thing. It's all about digging things up. This is where the word loot comes from. Plut, Pluto, looting, like looting the dead bodies. And um, lewd, like a, if we're going to get lewd, which we, which we do in these Scorpio episodes, we'll be lewd. That's all about Pluto stuff. Crude, as in crude oil, things from under the earth. Um, transmutation. So my back to my point here, um, working with parasites, I like to just thank them. Just be having, having an honor in a relationship. Thank you for picking up those cans. Thank you for doing that. Thanks for being here. Thanks for the memories, weirdo, <laughs> you know, whatever it's time to go. Um, and, but I appreciate it and having that kind of relationship with, with these instances. All right. Um, you know, and then the, the other thing about Scorpios too, when people are like, Ooh, Scorpio, ugh, is that there also, there's also like a, a tendency to be afraid of offending the Scorpio because they're, because they are capable of holding grudges. And it's true. They Scorpios and across the access to Taurus are proud about their grudges uh, typically, and I'm not saying every Scorpio here, generalizing, but that's the thing that they have. They're they're both fixed signs, and they have this way of stagnating their emotions, and that's not balance. You know, the balanced Scorpio is not even called a Scorpio. It's called the Eagle. That's the higher sign. The the the, the constellation of Aquila. 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 <laughs> A-Q-U-I-L-A. Aquila. <laughs> anyway, it's flying higher than the scorpion. And the scorpion is the representative of the lower aspects of the sign, which is really interesting. The other thing about scorpions, too, the, the animal, the critter, is that it's an animal that can look you in the eye and stab you in the back. So the scorpios have a tendency in history to be the backstabber too, right? So that's why a lot of people are like, ooh, I don't know about getting, um, but they're the very, very deep signs. It was, it was in uh, the, if you assign every apostle to a zodiac sign, Judas Iscariot gets Scorpio. And Judas Iscariot stabbed Jesus Christ in the back. And you know who else? Uh, is a Scorpio in the um, mythology is Brutus who stabbed Julius Caesar in the back, both JCs. That's really interesting, right? B 
brood. This is where the word brutal comes from. And I'd like to shout out um, Astro Chads over on YouTube who are doing a fantastic job with doing a little introduction to astrology. If you're interested in that type of stuff, I really like the etymology aspect that they do, which is something I'm really interested in. Anyway, where were we? So yeah, we're talking about the backstabbing, grudge-holding aspects and the transcendence of that. And that is the destiny of the Scorpio, is to transcend these qualities. Um, and that is the destiny of, of our body in this period of time. You know, we interact, whether we're born in the sign of Scorpio or not, we interact with Scorpio once a month for two and a half days when the moon is in Scorpio. We interact with Scorpio constantly when signs and planets and everything like that are uh, bouncing around our own natal chart. And everybody's got a Scorpio part of their body, which is the organs of elimination, the colon eliminating through the skin and eliminating our emotions in a positive transformational way, just like the parasites can transform something. And we have a, we have maybe a, a mistaken way of thinking about parasites in the same way that, you know, I'm not going to be an apologist for Judas Iscariot here, but he did activate <laughs> a, uh, a story in a way. So same with Brutus. So there's a role and it's all about transforming and I'm sorry, transcending that transformation. And that's what I'd like to talk about with black walnut. Oh my goodness. We are 30 minutes in and I am just getting started with black walnut. I better pick up the pace. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by astral preparations. Christy H big shout out. Christy was a student in my class last year and did a final project. So the final project for all my students is to have an herb ally. And she went above and beyond with black walnut. I'm going to, I am looking at some of her notes right now. I'm actually going to be going off of some of these for the black walnut. She made a, a tincture. She made a dyed handkerchief with black walnut dye. And yes, it's a really good dye. I'll just put that up here at the top. You can use the, the hole, which is filled with iodine to dye stuff, including things you don't want to dye like your hands. Um, <laughs> And she made a salve and a, uh, she made a fantastic like natal chart for the medicine that she makes. It's awesome. So she, she thinks about the time that she's going to make the medicine or, or when she's harvesting it and then kind of plans it a little bit in order to have like the most, the best aspects for astrology and then like boom that's when she starts it and i think that that is a genius way and i think that's the old way i bet you that's what like john d and all those dudes used to do like back in the king's court like the physicians of like the best you know egyptian and roman kings ever had astrologers that were like if i go pick this walnut and prepare it under this particular aspect of the moon then it's going to be most beneficial for the king. And if it's most beneficial for the king, it'll be most beneficial for the kingdom, yada, yada, something like that. And so 
that amount of focus, that amount of intention is being put into these formulas. And I have this black walnut tincture here from Astral Preparations, Christy H's company. And I'm going to, whoa, is that black? Drop of that. Hmm. Really? Something. Okay. Um, okay. So I'm just imagining myself on a herb walk right now talking about black walnut and I usually get to a black walnut tree and we look down at the ground and we see a bunch of nuts all over the ground and I say does anyone know what D's are <laughs> and so that's the joke right so if you get it you get it and <laughs> it's funny to me because black walnut is also brought to you by the number 19 when I was in eighth grade in Mrs. Matias's French class, my friend behind me, Rick Robertson, he was a troublemaker and probably still is. Um, although he's got a bunch of kids now, he's probably just a, a hilarious legendary dad, but he, <laughs> we would be going through the numbers. D's set, D's weef. And then she would go, you know, it's number 17, number 18. And then she would go number 19, which is D's Nuff. D-I-X-N-E-U-F. D's Nuff. And he, he would go, D's Nuff. And the whole class would start laughing, and it would be really disruptive, you know. And the teacher had no idea what he was talking about. This is back in 1994, when... The Chronic by Dr. Dre, uh, the album featuring Snoop Dogg and whatever. That was really popular. And I didn't listen to rap. I listened to punk, so it took me like half a year to get that joke, too. Okay? But <laughs> I think it's funny because the botanical name of Black Walnut is Juglans Nigra. You could say Juglans, J U. G-L-A-N-S. So Nigra means black. And Juglans means Jupiter. Jupiter's glands. Jupiter's nuts. And <laughs> so it was so funny because he would always, she'd just be like, go to the principal's office. He'd be like, what? I just said number 19. D's Niff. You know, what's the problem? And <laughs> that's... Uh, so I don't, yeah, I don't even need, feel like I need to explain this joke. If you don't get it, it's too bad. But um, to me, this is a perfect place to put this plant because um, this plant is a really scorpionic plant, but it also has a lot to do with Sagittarius that is ruled by Jupiter. So right here at the edge of Scorpio and, and Sagittarius, perfect. Whenever you have a plant that's named after a god, and especially the king of gods, then it means it's probably means it's very important. And of course, this one is. I was thinking about um, earlier today or maybe yesterday, what would my herb of the year be? And I think I can make a case for black walnut. I think it's in my top four. Um, maybe at the end of the year, I'll do one of these like, you know, top top five list or something like that of herbs of the year. And the reason why is because the plant itself taught me a ton and I've been working with it a lot more than I ever have. And it was also a mast year. So 
it's a tree. It's a masting tree, which means that some years it's got it, some years it don't. Some years it's like really, really, really abundant. And when that's the case, that has a huge impact on the rest of the ecology. Like there's more squirrels, there's more field mice, there's more, lot, you know, everything is getting fed more. Um, and the other trees that are masting trees, like oaks and stuff like that, they take, or, or like hickories, they take a, you know, a break. They say, oh, okay, I'll just give a little sprinkle of hickory. Just give a little sprinkle of acorns. And then I'll save it up for next year and I'll really have it all. And so um, that's, that's one of the things. This year was a mast year for sure. Lots and lots of black walnuts all over the place. Well, black walnut, hmm. Just trying to think of where we could start. I'm just going to imagine myself on the herb walk again. All right, I'm looking at this tree. It's, it's gigantic. It's a huge tree with this very furled uh, bark. It's darker than the rest of the trees, as you might imagine, especially if you like take some lumber of black walnut, which is highly prized because it's extremely strong. It's really, really strong lumber, and it has a nice um, color to it. And so... Um, you're looking at this tree and it's got this giant canopy and the leaf, the leaf of the, tr of the tree is a massive leaf. It has several leaflets that come off of it. So each one of these leaflets has like, it's like a almond shape and you know, about the size of my, of, uh, from the top of my middle finger down to the palm of my hand, each one of these leaflets and it connects to a cent central rib and uh, they're opposite. Or pinnate opposite, it's called, and uh, that central rib connects to the stem, and it looks like a bunch of leaves on a stem, but really that's one leaf and several leaflets. And um, the black walnut trees get gets a bad rap a lot of times because there is a myth that was started a long time ago by one paper that was written by some black walnut hater. And a lot of this whole myth that's been propagated throughout our <laughs> growing culture can all, all be traced back to this one paper that said, when you grow black walnut, or where black walnuts grow, it, it limits the production of the food, especially tomatoes, underneath it. And it's kind of like, uh, and so they started saying that, yeah, there's the compound in black walnut, it's called eugalone or jugulone. And I always think of like juggalos, you know, like ICP. There's another like 90s rap reference. And, <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, the Yugulone is like um, considered, you know, in the myth, I'm just telling you the myth. It's like toxic and it like goes into the ground and it's opportunistic and it says, no, you can't grow here. Only black walnuts can grow here. And so everything else dies and nothing can grow under the black walnut tree. So if you have a black walnut in your yard, you want anything to grow, then you better chop it down. Um, but it seems like nobody's ever looked underneath a black walnut tree before because there's plenty of stuff growing. There's always grass and dandelions and violets and red clover and just everything else that's growing under every other tree. Um, and wouldn't you know it, tomatoes need a lot of light. They need a lot of sunlight. So I bet you if you put a, a tomato plant under a maple or a or uh, oak or <laughs> an ash or any of these other giant canopy hardwoods, it's also going to have a hard time growing. 
Well, the, the University of Washington recently did a, a debunking paper, which came out. And I'm all about papers that debunk, you know. And um, they found that there's no way that uh, this compound, eugalone, can be isolated in the soil in the way, you know, if they took the compound in the lab and extracted it and did through all these tests and blah, 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 then sure, it's going to have an effect. But when it's in the soil, it's just, it doesn't, there's no evidence that shows that. And so they kind of debunked that. However, I do uh, agree to a certain point that things have a harder time thriving under a black walnut tree, but they couldn't pinpoint it to the compound, to the constituent, which the, they previously blamed it on. And so this is where I was learning from the tree. I was like walking, there's this, I go on a walk every day with my dog and there's this black walnut tree and uh, I communicate with it. I'm all about this particular black walnut tree. And it gave me a boom epiphany one time because I would, I had asked it, I know this is going to sound weird, but it's fine. You're listening to a plant podcast talk about spiritual parasites, so I'm sure it's fine by now. But uh, why is it? Why is it that people think that you you know you can't they can't grow things under here? What's going on? And when I looked up from the tree um, at towards the sun, I could feel oh, like my eyes were like it hurt. I could tell that the light that was coming through the tree was not a, uh, a beneficial light. So if you go you try this for yourself next year, when this, when the uh, leaves come out from the trees, you look up underneath a maple, it feels good. When you look up to the sky underneath an oak tree, it feels good. There's a structuring that occurs from the shade that interacts with the light and it feels good. The structure the, uh, the way that the leaf of the walnut is shaped, it's shaped like an array antenna. And it structures the light to be, I think, a little bit more incoherent. I say that in my unhealed state. Let me just put it that way. I feel like now, just saying it, that it made me uncomfortable because it was actually activating something in me and I didn't want to stand under it anymore because I didn't have the capacity to resist that and just really lean into that healing that it was trying to give me. So this is actually, I think, the, the real point of black walnut is that it, has, it offers a type of medicine that makes it uncomfortable, really uncomfortable for parasites and other entities and things that are harmful and destructive to including tomatoes. I'm not saying they're t destructive, but you know, what's a tomato supposed to, what's a tomato doing in Wisconsin? Um, somebody put it there. It's not like it grew there um, <laughs> on its own, you know, it rolled down a hill and grew there. Whereas Walnuts, where they grow, they grow in the liminal spaces. They grow between the deep part of the forest and the grassy plains. There's something to be said about this point of the year, these liminal spaces. And, and that's why, you know, when, when it comes to Scorpio, we're all about the veil is thinning, liminal space to the spirit world and stuff like that. I think that there's a lot to be said about 
about that too when it comes to uh, the medicine of so I think what it's doing instead of the ugulone I think it's structuring the light and that has an, a structuring effect on the water underneath and it makes it so that things that you that are not in the same coherence of it grow that's the way that's what walnut told me there's no way I can verify that there's no way I can uh test that scientifically I don't think unless I made yeah I probably could I can make an experiment right now I can just go make an outline of black walnut leaf and then take a black walnut leaf and that will be my control and my um, independent variable and I'll just you know use the the outline of the black walnut leaf on like cardboard cutout paper and see how that structures the light beneath it and I'm sure that it would have an effect Actually, I'm going to teach that to my son, and we'll, we'll win the science fair. All right, I feel like it's 45 minutes now. I better start delivering some practical knowledge here. <laughs> so the whole of black walnut, H-U-L-L, which is kind of like the peel, right? There's the, there's the nut that's inside of the shell. And then on the outside of the shell, there's like the tennis ball green thing that once it's on the ground for a little while, it oxidizes and it turns brown. That's because it turns really brown because it's really high in iodine. So that's a really great medicine. Where do you, where would you associate iodine? Well, you would, if you're old enough to remember, if you used to get like a shot or something or blood drawn, they would put like a little bit of iodine on your arm before they drew your blood. So it's an antiseptic, but also it has an, uh, an effect on the stringency of the tissue. It's a, it's a vasoconstrictor. So it works not only on um, the blood vessels, but uh, like, I'm oh, sorry, on the, on the tissues, but it works on the blood vessels and compressing them and, and helping them improve their tone. Um, it's also, where else would you associate iodine? You would associate it with the thyroid, right? The lack of iodine from like salt and stuff like that. And that's why they iodize salt, at least that's what they say, is for people who had goiters and stuff like that. So so I recommend black walnut for a lot of thyroid stuff, like a lot, especially hypothyroidism, which is really common in women. We talked about this last week with ashwagandha. And this is my pair. This is like my buddy system. I use ashwagandha, black walnut, and some other plants too in a thyroid tonic that is extremely, extremely helpful for so many people. That's called low tone. And that's with, you know, some local wildcrafted black walnut hole. This is the way that I get them is that I get, you know, they're falling off the tree. I get them, we, we peel them kind of like an avocado, you know, and then in the center is the nut. And usually when people are into like foraging for food and stuff like that, they're tossing what I'm keeping. I'm keeping that hole the skin and I'm putting that into some alcohol and I'm macerating that as a tincture. And I'm kind of the other way around because I found that getting the meat out of black walnuts is such a pain in the ass that <laughs> I just, I'm like, who wants these? I don't want them. <laughs> I don't have time to get the meat out of this. I did all the work that I needed to do, which is like the, the opposite of everybody else. Really. It's funny. Um, but if you wanted to get, if you wanted to use them for food, which is what, you know, that's kind of what they're for in nature, is uh, you would just cure those nuts, those nuts for, <laughs> um, 
four weeks or something like that, you clean them off real good. You know, some people will power wash them first. This is what I'm talking about. Like I'm well, a power washer. I'm going to have to go to Home Depot and rent a power washer or just scrub them with a brush um, one by one. And then you, you let them dry and you cure them. Some people will put them in like old um, coffee sacks and stuff like that. And then they'll let them cure in the basement or something. And then that's it. You take them out and you get your nutcracker and you crack them open. And unlike the other walnuts, which are like the, you know, the ones that um, look like a brain, these look like a brain too. They look like a smaller brain, which is a doctor and a signature, right? Because uh, the, the oils and the omega fatty acids are really, really, really good for your brain. But the black walnuts have a small amount of meat and you got to like pick it out with a toothpick. And this is total, this is like squirrel food. As far as I'm concerned, I think it's cool. I think it's awesome to have, to be able to have a relationship with knowing that these things are on, they're all over and there's food everywhere. But right now I am not going to be <laughs> power washing and picking my food out with toothpicks, but you know, when my back's against the wall, who knows what a man's going to do. Um, all right. So that, all right. And then earlier in the summer before, like around, this is a solstice tradition when the, the fruit is on the tree, but the nut inside is not super hard. So you could slice right through it with a knife and they're smaller. They're like the, the size of ping pong balls. And you could take those off. You could just quarter them with a knife, throw them into some brandy, a little bit of sugar. And then some, I like to add some Monarda, maybe a little spice bush, maybe um, a little vanilla. It's nice to have like a, a totally locally wildcrafted Nochino. That's what this is, Nochino. And that's a classic um, Italian liqueur. In our last class of our herb program, Leslie from our class brought in a Nochino that she had made earlier in the year. And it was just like, we had this huge, they had two tables, two giant picnic tables just filled with food. Um, everyone was bringing all this food. And then there was this delicious black walnut liquor at the end of the, at the end of the meal. It was so awesome. It was perfect. It really is a delicious digestive um, liquor. So you can think about black walnut as a digestive liquor too. It is astringent, it's bitter, it's aromatic. And one of my favorite ways of thinking about how black walnut helps the body is through its compressive astringent aspect that it does not only in the blood vessels, but in, importantly, really importantly, to the permeability of the intestines in particular. So I think that what people call Autoimmune disease is way, I think it's a really different thing than what a lot of people think. And I also think that it has a lot to do with permeability and all the different ways that we can imagine that word and having an effect on our body, not just the permeability of the intestines, but the permeability of whatever, your auric field. And this is the way I work. And so I would work with black walnut in a lot of cases of autoimmune disease because it has a downstream effect, even though a lot of the times um, it, um, something like hypothyroidism looks like it's you know 
from up top, I think it has a lot to do with the digestive system. And I think it has a lot to do with, um, I also think that the thyroid has a lot to do with like what is not said, what's not being spoken, um, or what is, you know, being spoken. Is it true? Things like that. Are you saying things that are true when you, when you know that they're not, um, in the case of like a salesman, for example, or a saleswoman. Um, but anyway, I think black walnut is really, really helpful for tightening up the guts and so well that I would recommend it for anyone who had diarrhea, not while they have diarrhea because black walnut does have a somewhat laxative effect on the body in that it is slightly bitter and it stimulates bile and it helps our body get rid of stuff that it doesn't, that we don't want anymore. That's also a lesson of diarrhea too, just for your consideration. (laughs) When, when next time that comes up, Think about the intelligence of the body trying to get rid of something it doesn't need. But um, I would recommend black walnut after, like a few days after, just to help bring back the tone and restore the the balance and the tone of, man, that had been through a lot. There was so much strength and peristalsis and those cramps and just like oh, a lot of stuff going on there. And it can just feel like, pooped. <laughs> it's all the tissues are just pooped. They don't have the, the, the tone they need to continue to maintain their strength. So that's where we call upon some black walnut to do that. And that's what I like a lot. And then I also I'm really, really love black walnut for its vermifuge aspect. So I put it into a, a tincture blend that I made recently called parasite out of sight. And it's not the main ingredient. Um, it's not even, so what it's got some pow darko. It's got chickweed. It's got uva ursi. Chickweed is not even an anti-parasitic plant. It's not parasitic in, uh, the same degree as a lot of these companies that are all about fight your body and fight, fight, fight and kill. And also, you know, we got to fight the invasive species in the soil and blah, 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 and poison, poison. But it's about letting go of what's no longer serving. And so that's why I put black walnut in there too. That's what it does. It, it makes, I, I'm just trying to imagine how it works as a vermifuge. I think it makes your intestines taste icky <laughs> to the parasites. That's what I think. They're like, ah, yuck, yuck. And the black walnut hole that is, and then the black walnut leaf is also a vermifuge, but I think of it's more like a sweeper. So it's just got, um, so if you drink that as a tea, it's going to have a little bit more of like non-digestible fibers that are just going to be like, okay, like the, like the cir- circular mouth, like lamprey tapeworm looking gross thing. It's just like, bleh, and it like takes its mouth off for a second. And then like a broom comes and like sweeps it away. That's what I think black walnut does. Um, I do think that black walnut in a high amount will actually have a, a nice, uh, st- killing effect, but I do, but what, but the way that I have come to learn it is that it has more of like a stunning, you know, um, in the old Star Trek, they're like, set your, uh, Pfizer's, what does they say? Set your phasers to stun. Yeah. Said Pfizer's set your phasers to stun. <laughs> and, uh, cause they would go to like a new strange planet and they didn't know if it was like the people there were hostile or whatever. So they just wanted to stun them. And that's what black walnut does. Just kind of stuns it. Um, again, you don't want a you know, big, long tapeworm that's dead in your body, do you? Well, some of these 
companies that make their formulas think that think that that's good for you and stuff, but I don't. And that's why I really like working as a vitalist with black walnut tincture. Ruled by Jupiter, which is beneficial. You know, Jupiter is all about like the good stuff. It's not about like, it's not the Saturnian, um, you know, punisher or whatever. Um, so let's see here. Anything else? Yeah. I'm going to, let me just look at, um, I'm going to look at Christie's project and, uh, see, look at some of these notes here. Cleanses the colon. Yep. Talked about that. Prevents uptake of toxins. So when the, when the uh, tissues are tight and toned, they're working on both ways. They're working on allowing the, uh, the proteins that are from our food to leave and exit at the time that they need to, and not the big ones, you know, not the big old proteins that our body might eventually attack or something in the case of autoimmune disease. But it also is the proper amount of tone so that if, it, if things are too tight, it doesn't uh, continue to reabsorb the toxins from the stool. So preventing uptake of toxins from constipated bowels, um, which is called leaky bowel syndrome. And as Christy puts it here, um, so that would also be malabsorption. So the gut lining is just too tight and you're not absorbing the nutrition from your food. Um, whenever, so it's a, it's a, a balancer of tone. I would think about that for anything that has a lax presentation. That would be uh, pelvic floor falling. That would be hemorrhoids, any presentation of that. And even like varicose veins. Um, what's it called where you have diastasis recti? Is that what it's called? Where where the, the abdomen is kind of split open a little bit there after pregnancy and stuff like that? I think black walnut would be excellent internally for improving the um, elasticity and the tonacity in the muscles as well. In fact, I learned this from uh, Christie's presentation that it's actually the bark of the inner bark of the walnut tree, which I've never worked with before, has a muscle, it has a lot of magnesium sulfate so it's really muscle food, it's skin food, it's nail, it's good for your nails and um, your hair. And um, so that was used as a, as a laxative as well. You can make um, a decoction out of the leaves and that would be helpful for skin conditions that you can apply topically like ringworm and even for like eczema, all kinds. I've been working with this for eczema lately, and I think it's awesome. I think it works really well for eczema. The thing about it's, you know, we're talking about the leaves here. If I work with the hole, the hole is really, really dark. And so it can stain. So if you have eczema, like on your face or something like that, it's not always ideal. Um, but I would go with the hole um, or a tincture of the hole for eczema in a really hard to work with place that you didn't mind seeing. That was like, you know, this is Scorpio stuff out of the light of the sun where the sun don't shine. So on the top of your head, if that's the case too. And Christy mentions that it well, the leaf was helpful for fail, falling hair. So that's something I learned. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Um, I definitely agree with working with a decoction or a compress or something like that for abscesses, boils, 
shingles. She she mentions she mentions tumors, cancers, which she found in her research. I think that's interesting. Um, all kinds of all manner of skin diseases and even um, internal uh, mucosal diseases, as we had mentioned before, improving the tonacity. The tincture of the whole is where I most commonly work with this plant for all kinds of things. As I mentioned, the thyroid, the gut, I like it for liver uh, constipation of the liver and any type of liver pain or even jaundice. And um, just a really good iodine supplement, really. I like I like working with plants for my minerals. You know, they're doing all of the cool alchemy from pulling it up from the ground and putting it in a way that is much more bioavailable for me than some sort of lab-made iodine. I love it. I think that walnut might be one of my favorite recommendations for athlete's foot, ringworm, rash, like all kinds of chronic rashes, anything like uh, eczema, all kinds of hard to treat skin and conditions. The thing about a lot of that stuff is that it's really, really hard to, to work with because a lot of it has to do with gut health. A lot of it has to do with, so, there's so much to consider, um, but I definitely would consider adding some walnut to there. One of the things that I love about walnut is its natural dye. And so going back to the top here, when one of the things that Christy made was a handkerchief for us and she dyed it uh, and she, oh, she also made an ink. <laughs> she made an ink like a, you can, you can make a tattoo with walnut ink. <laughs> you can tattoo yourself. Wouldn't that be awesome? Um, but uh, she made, she made an ink that you can like dip a, a pen in and like, you know, write on your paper, like it was actual ink out of walnut. So really cool, lots of textile work that we can do with this. By the way, ink, that's totally Scorpio. It's all about, Scorpio is all about penetrating. Yeah, you're using the pen and you're putting it, penetrating it into the dark stained ink, dark murky waters, and you're leaving your mark. Um, Scorpio is all about right on the mark. In fact, it's funny to me. I was just thinking this is something I learned from Astro Chads. The last degree of Scorpio is November 22nd, typically in the tropical. And that is the last degree of Scorpio rules assassins because Scorpio is the assassin. And um, the first degree of Sagittarius, which is my wife's birthday, is all about marksmanship you know, uh, scope work. And so you would imagine that if somebody wanted to make like a ritualistic assassination using marksmanship, they would do it on the most, uh, the, the, the best planetary day to do that, November 22nd. And sure enough, that's the date of JFK assassin assassination. As we're told, you know, marksmanship, uh, a bullet to kill using the scope of a rifle, blah, blah, blah. 
I just think that's really interesting. Okay, wait, back to <laughs> back to the walnut. Is there anything I'm leaving out here? All right, we got nuts, Jupiter's nuts. Oh, you know what else I think of? Juglans. It makes me, it reminds me of juglans. Like it's, it's like you could totally juggle with a juglan. I wonder if that's the word, the word juggle came from this plant because <laughs> you could, when you're, I don't know how to juggle. I'm not like a carny or whatever, but I, I guess you don't have to be a carny to know how to juggle. You just have to be fairly coordinated. And <laughs> so I'm just making fun of people who can juggle. Um, and the, <laughs> cause I can't, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure if you were just like on a walk some someday, you'd be like, wow, cool. Here's, this is a juggle tree. And that's, or this is a juglan tree. I'm, that's what I'm going to call this verb that I'm doing with my hands. I'm calling that juglan. I don't know. Um, but yeah. All right. So I think I covered just about everything I can think of. <laughs> but maybe not everything I, I know. But anyway, um, here's some cool references. I'm just looking at Christie's notes here. Here's some cool references from... Um, forager chef for a green walnut molasses. Mm, that sounds awesome. So black walnut benefits from indigo herbs. Uh, black walnuts, um, homestead honey. So there's some great information there. Earthwise herbal, of course. That's one of my favorite books. Sacred tree profile of walnut um, from the Druid's Garden. Oh, I have that book. That book is awesome. Nice. Yeah, that's a good reference right there. So there's some references for walnut. And of course, um, how about the walnut tree itself? Sit underneath a walnut tree. They say, actually, it's bad luck to sit under a walnut tree. And I think, is that because somebody's still mad about getting their head bombed by a walnut? I feel like the squirrels are like, when they go up to a walnut tree, they just like throw the walnuts down like, have you ever seen a squirrel eat a walnut on the ground? They look like they're just like. Mm. Have you ever seen a uh, the force that they throw walnuts down from the trees? Though it's just like they're just like chunking those things. What the heck? Why do they get so mean up there? And um, I also think that walnuts are also a good reminder to like take care of your ankles because if you walk underneath a walnut tree, you might twist your ankle. So. I bet you there's something in the walnut tree that's really good for healing sprains, sprained ankles, because that's kind of one of the things they cause just by walking. All right. I think that's about it. Hmm. I'm sure there's some more, but it's late where I am. You can probably tell by my voice. So I'm going to sign off. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Herb of the Week. And coming up next time, we're going to have Sagittarius, and that's going to be really fun because Sagittarius is the most fun. They're the most fun sign there is, they say. I say too. I agree. So until then, ciao for now.